Hello and welcome to this special episode of the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watts, I'm the founder of Stack, and this week we're releasing another of the recordings from some of our live events this year. So normally the Stack podcast is me speaking to just one or two magazine makers, uh, and it's kind of 20 minutes and, and quite boiled down. Uh, this is much longer and it was recorded on the 18th of October at Small City in New York with some of the city's magazine makers. So we've got Claudia Wu from Cherry Bomb, Walter Green from Lucky Peach and Michelle Outland and Fiorella Valdesolo from Gather Journal. We talk in the episode about the magazine covers uh, and I do note at the time that this is probably not going to be much use if anyone's listening to this afterwards but so uh, go and check the Stack blog and you'll see in the blog post for this episode I've put the magazine covers together so you can actually see what we're talking about. Um, You'll also hear a truck midway through so as I say we were at Small City which is this fantastic cool old warehouse that's been turned into an event space um, but we had the big doors open wide and midway through uh, a truck came and parked outside and it literally sounds like it's parking in the middle of the audience so uh, try to ignore that and just focus on the stuff that the magazine makers are talking about they talk really openly and honestly about the realities of magazine making and and how it can look like all this stuff is just coming together effortlessly and easily but actually there's a, a huge amount of work and struggle that goes into it there's also a deathly silence at the end when the realities of sale or return are mentioned this episode is sponsored by Park Communications. They were out there with me in New York earlier this year. Uh, if you are interested in making your own magazine, maybe you've got a project that you're thinking of for 2017, go and check out Park Communications uh, and see what they can do for you. And I hope you enjoy this special episode of the Stack Magazine's podcast. very much and uh, thanks and welcome to our special evening on food magazines in New York um, we have uh, our guests with us tonight uh, Claudia Wu from Cherry Bomb magazine and um, Walter Green from uh, Lucky Peach I didn't have to read that Walter I knew that was Lucky Peach uh, and we have Michelle Outland and Fiorella Valdesolo from Gather Journal and um, all three of them are food magazines all three of them made here in the city, but all of them very different from each other. So I was hoping that we could start by um, you telling us basically what your magazine is for anyone who doesn't know, and what makes it different to the other mags that are out there. I'm going to start with you, Claudia, down at the end. Uh, I guess what makes us different is that we only cover women in food. And uh, I think Lucky Peach was a big influence when we first started because we kind of thought of ourselves as the girls' version of Lucky Peach. Um, but both me and Carrie, who co-founded the magazine with me, have fashion backgrounds as well. So I think the content and you know the imagery kind of lean a little bit towards fashion. Mm -hmm. But we still cover food mm -hmm. in our own way. Uh, oh, uh, Lucky Peach is. Um uh, I don't know, it's kind of like a left of, it's kind of a wonky-ish off, or I mean, I'll just speak from the art side, I guess, because I shouldn't really speak to the editorial people, because I also 
don't work there right now, so I would part apologies if people want like a portion of their money back or whatever. But um, what are you talking about? No one's having any money back. Oh yeah, no, I mean um, to give more money to Steve this. But um, Lucky Peach is uh, it's kind of like an off the wall journal, uh, a quarterly journal that um, maybe uh, has a uh, it has a mix of like. Uh, Fiction pieces, I guess I'm just kind of being annoying and weird, but I have like a mix, more of a mix of like crazy things, and it's kind of hard to pin down uh, because each issue, the format, or each issue, the content changes a bit uh, depending on the theme. So it's like a mix of comics sometimes, or photo portfolios, or fiction pieces, and um, then just reportage about the food world. But what makes it different? I don't know, the, it's kind of just a little bit wonky. <laughs> Maybe that's all I'll say. Wonky eye. Yeah, a little bit wonky. Oh, okay. me. Um, gather, I guess, okay, we come out twice a year. Uh, we Each issue is based around a specific theme. Um, we're a recipe-driven format, so it kind of is, it straddles the kind of cookbook magazine category a little bit. So uh, it's divided into menus, each issue, and then the writing is just kind of musings on the theme. The one we brought tonight is the 1970s issue, so it was separated into like music of the 70s, film of the 70s, TV style, and that's kind of how we do it. Just fall down a rabbit hole of that theme for every issue. Um, so I, I think um, people say you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, and I think that's complete nonsense. I think you should always judge books by the cover. And so I think to drill down a bit more into what you were all just talking about, mm. let's Let's talk one by one about these covers, which I recognise is going to be useless for anyone on the podcast, but for people here in the room who can see. Um, so, so the latest issue, the 70s issue, yes. uh, we have this lovely um, photo of uh, an avocado, which I guess is chosen for its 70s qualities. Definitely. Uh, avocado and avocado colour in general is super 70s, uh, so we were looking for something, obviously it was really iconic for that. Um, the photographer for this is Grant Cornett, and I think his style is very bold and graphic, and um, it really kind of fit the theme, and we went with that for our cover. And the, what's the beat? <laughs> <laughs> well, quite honestly, they just found it in their front yard, and <laughs> they thought it would be great. Um, but also, I mean, we have a lot of nods to honey inside, and so, um, you know, we like to have elements of food on the cover. Obviously, we don't do a finished plate of food on our cover, uh, so we try and sort of take certain elements from the issue and sort of abstract them, and that oftentimes becomes our cover. And that <coughs> abstraction, yeah. I think, is like, that's the thing that I think I love the most about the magazine, is when yeah. you take a theme like that and spin off in some crazy direction, the, like, so the <laughs> origins issue, sure. where you basically start in the Museum, what's it? Sorry, Natural History Museum. Natural History Museum yeah. with dioramas and turn that like the geology section becomes a lasagna. And <laughs> exactly, and you know those sort of like bits of rocks and things became the cover of that issue. Um, you know, it's like how bits of rocks looks like a hunk of cheese, and so that sort of became our cover for that. So again, like we were saying, we really sort of do a deep dive into a certain theme, but then also it, it takes us into these very odd ends of the food world, which is sort of fun to think about how do you create a recipe around the Natural History Museum. And so it's just a lot of fun 
for us to think about food that way. And I guess that is the thing that then elevates it above a cookbook because the so you have the amazing recipes in there, but then you're doing way more with it. Yes, right. definitely. So it's fun. Fun with food. Yes. Our, our motto. <laughs> okay, fun with food. So we're moving on to wonky Lucky Peach. The, and actually, like, as you were describing the match just then, I was thinking, like, the, I think that this cover does a really good job of just, like, representing what you were saying. So, like, a, a highbrow piece of food culture of, like, a lobster represented with, like, a balloon animal. Yeah, uh, and so I, uh, the person responsible for this cover uh, was a guy named Devin Washburn, actually. He was the art director for the last year, and, um, but I guess I can speak to all of the covers, and yeah, they do sort of try to um, have that spirit of like maybe not taking ourselves so seriously, uh, uh, even if the, the topic is, you know, can be a serious. Uh, and yeah, I think it's it like has a good mix. Of, we they hired a guy named Braulio Amato to do that lettering, who's a very talented illustrator. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think it is just. Supposed to kind of be like they were saying, like a graphic type of bold entree into the um, issue of the whole or something. But it also shows that the the mix of high and low culture, which for me is a, a big part of Lucky Peach. Like the you really want to engage with the most amazing excesses of fine dining, but then you also want to enjoy a donut from the shop down the road. Yeah, I think the issue delves into that too. Like um, just like. Uh, fine dining in general, like uh, if it's like if 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 it's really like important, or I guess like whatever people's feelings are about that, it kind of um, yeah examines that topic a bit. And the like, <laughs> I'm, I'm just very sweaty and awkward, so I'm scared for that. Every time I talk, the, the sweat doesn't come across in the podcast. So that's, 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 now they know; they didn't have to know. I'll be dripping into the microphone. Though. <laughs> and the and that sort of like so now now you're gonna tell me if I'm like taking uh, an idea too far, being too keen with it. But so it, it seems to me that that mix of like high and low culture. When I think of uh, New York and the food it's famous for, my mind goes immediately straight to the like the high-end fine dining where you can't get a seat at a table for three months kind of place, and the food cart on the street where like you're just walking past and it's, it's there. Does that feel, do you feel like this magazine is kind of a product of the city, or do you just think no, this could be made anywhere? Uh, I think it definitely is for, for um, the first uh, five or so years of its inception or of its life it was um, half of the staff was in San Francisco and half was out here and um, I think this one is sort of like maybe the first-ish one where it was mostly a New York based thing and yeah I mean like probably with any magazine the, the culture that the editors are in is going to influence um, that and I think yeah everyone who's on the staff out here is like some people go to fine dining restaurants and thinks about stuff like that. And yeah, I think the issue does cover a lot of that, like chefs who work in fine dining for a long time and then left to, uh, you know, start their own smaller things or the ethics of fine dining and all that. But yeah, I, I would say it's probably uh, resulting from the editors who are out here. How, how about the rest of you? How much do you think your magazines feel like products of this city and how much could they actually be made literally anywhere? Um, 
So this is uh, the model um, Chrissy Teigen. Teigen? Yes, I'm impressed if you know that. <laughs> I would not, I've got to say, I wouldn't have known it just looking. I, I read the magazine. <laughs> and is, the, is that fruit, is that the special super sweet orange kind of fruit, or is that just an orange? It's a clementine. Ah, okay. It's a California thing, so we would get it for the cover. Okay. But there, there's like a special fruit in there that's, uh, I can't remember the name of it. It's Satsuma, like, maybe? It's, it's a satsuma, I think. It's like the sumo fruits. Oh, sumos are great. Sumo's in the issue, yeah. We did a, a story about the sumo orange, which has a very short season, so if you see it, try it, it's pretty amazing. The, like, the description uh, made me really want to eat one immediately. <laughs> yes, once you go sumo, you never go down. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we talked about why in the article. And so, the, so um, having hair on the cover, what, like, what makes hair ripe for well, if you follow her on Instagram or if you're a fan of hers, she loves her food, um, high and low. Um, and she has a cookbook out, which came out this summer, so we thought it'd be nice to have her. And if I, we share the same publisher or something, that's going to help. Oh, it's yeah. backroom deals. Well, I know, they want to promote their authors. So. <laughs> <laughs> but so I guess it's, the, it's a good example of, so that's a, a, a woman who is in food and is doing something new, so you want to cover the stuff. Yeah, and I think we're one of the few food magazines who actually have people on the cover, and it's challenging. <laughs> it's like a whole other animal. I mean, how do you even begin to go about? Because like the choosing the person, like that person represents so much. Like, how do you get that right? Yeah, I mean, it's just it has to do with timing. You know, a lot of the women who are on our covers have projects in food, you know, whether it's a cookbook or, you know, we had Christina Chosi when she started doing Master Chef. Um, so it all has to do with, like, when people want to promote things, of course. Um, but, yeah, it was just the perfect timing for Chrissy. And I like that we don't call out, you know, a lot of fashion magazines always have cover lines and stuff. I like that we don't have call out the women on the cover. They're just kind of there, and if you're interested in finding out more about them, you have to read the magazine. Yeah, yeah. And the, and so you said just now that you know kind of the, the Mac could be made anywhere and this one is all focused on California. So is that something that you just start to feel an ache for because you're here on the East Coast and it's like we've just got to do that. We've got to go over there. Definitely. I mean I think a lot of New Yorkers have made that move to the West Coast and you know yeah I think at that time we were kind of feeling a little it was probably like the middle of winter here and cold and thinking about like better times and we actually had been going out to 
California a lot. So yeah, that's the theme. And I'm always really interested in like the original reason for wanting to make a magazine. Because making a magazine is a pretty hard thing to do. And as was mentioned at the beginning, not particularly easy to make money from doing this thing. So why does the magazine need to be in print? Why, why do you do it the way you do? documented in print and it's there for as long as the paper lasts um, and it's really kind of more about the journey and the process of making it rather than having something to show people. Um, you get to know a lot of people that you probably wouldn't you know have known about um, and you kind of form a, a little community of contributors and people that you work with often so that's always a nice thing to have. Because of course you don't just make a magazine you like you like you produce the whole thing, so you run the business as well. Right, yeah, yeah. You, you do learn a lot of things doing magazine that you never <laughs> would have thought about. Um, you know, you get to know your local post office workers, you know, very, very well. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, with any business, small business, you know, you, you kind of wear a lot of hats. And, and like Walter, I guess that's slightly different for you because you don't, like, oh. Like you don't like run the business. You so yet. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. Um, oh, uh, why did why did it start? Um, how, how, how did how did how did you get involved with the magazine? What attracted you to it? And how did you do it? Well, so um, uh, I was hired at McSweeney's Publishing, where it, it originally was published, maybe like six years ago or something. And um, when I was first there, the magazine hadn't started yet, and it was kind of just a conversation that was happening among. Uh, the staff and uh, David Chang out here, and they're based in San Francisco. And the, the during my job interview, they're like, "We're thinking of starting a food magazine in a couple months, and like maybe you'll be a part of that." Uh, and so I, that was just kind of a part of my job. But as to why they started, I think it was like maybe a time when um, there were, were less options for food magazines. Like uh, it was a, a long time ago now. So, but there are. I feel like there are a lot more food magazines now, so it's like a pretty, it's all pretty well covered, but maybe like they noticed in the market that there wasn't a magazine like that at the time. Uh, and, and I think and, it and was. Sorry, go on. No, no, no. I had nothing. <laughs> and, and how about you? Like, what, so, what made you want to work in, like, I guess in a print mag to start with and then there's a specific mag? Yeah, well, I think I just wanted a job uh, just to, to have money to live. And, um, but yeah, and I'm not, I'm not particularly like a foodie type person, or I wasn't at the time. Uh, and then, yeah, making the magazine sort of became uh, more interested in the subject, because uh, you sort of have to. Uh, but yeah, I just like print and just like the feel of that. And yeah, like I agree with what you're saying, that it does sort of become like a memento from this time in your life. And so now I look back at all the issues I did, and I was like, I remember that. I was really depressed during that issue. Like <laughs> I was watching like TV all the all the time for this one. Uh, and uh, but yeah, I, it's more. It's seem, I feel like it's something that I sort of stumbled into and enjoyed uh, more than like actively seeking it out. Right. Um, 
I mean, I think a lot of, we agree with a lot of what they've said. Um, for the two of us, we were working at a magazine together. We were at Nylon Magazine. And um, after we both, we sort of left Nylon at the same time and we were kind of poking around for something really creative to do and we weren't necessarily finding it out there and so we decided to just do it. And so it really was just sort of to like satisfy that creative itch sort of and we are super huge lovers of print and yeah. we absolutely knew we wanted to do a print format. I mean, we launched our magazine in the middle of a recession, so obviously it wasn't a smart business move <laughs> at all. We had no business plan, but it was—it's the magazine for us is really personal, and it's—it's it's really sort of a personal extension of sort of me visually, Fiorella in words, and um, but then likewise, it has become this huge snowball <laughs> that's yeah. constantly chasing us down a hill in terms of all the hats we have to. The to business wear. Part. The business side Stop. of it is like a whole other thing. <laughs> and who looks after the business side of it? We do. So you, you split it between you? Yeah. Yes. Um, and likewise, we're at the post office a lot um, <laughs> doing things like that. So I think it's like, as much as it's like, oh my gosh, having a magazine is so creative and cool. Actually, that's like 20% of it. The, the rest of it is really boring invoicing and shipping and packaging and things like that. Yeah. But I mean, you're obviously doing something right because I've been, as I've been walking around, I've been going to like bookshops and stuff, and I've got to say, Gather is the one that is like everywhere. Oh, like cool. you've got Thank your you. magazine That's everywhere. Just us. There are magazines. Yeah. <laughs> My dad. <laughs> I just, I mean, like the, I, I, I think probably all magazine makers I know who have their own business when they're going to a magazine shop will put their magazines at the front of the Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all of our parents completely reorganize every shop they go into. <laughs> <laughs> and so, because this is something that both of you do alongside other jobs. Yeah. Yep. How do you make that work? Uh, we're exhausted. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, time management is not my forte. So, um, I don't know. We're just constantly figuring out how to make, I don't know, still trying to figure out how to make it work. We work a lot, like we work kind of constantly, but I think a lot of people who are freelance are constantly working and it's hard to figure out when to, you know, shut off, if ever. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, it's we started Gather because we weren't feeling creatively fulfilled by a lot of other stuff we were doing for money. So now to have that creative fulfillment on the side feels like a nice, you know, balance. Yeah. Oh, that sucks that I have to write this thing for money, but then I get to do gather stuff, so it's not so bad. I think it was the same when I started Stack. I was like, weirdly, I had way more energy for my actual job. Sure, because you're like, because, it. exactly, yeah. 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 Um, Claudia, I'm, I'm just assuming that you do the cherry bomb as your job. No. Right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, what, so, what else do you do? I do freelance design work. That pays the bills. Um, yeah, we we have enough money to afford an office and an employee or two sometimes. Um, but other than that, we don't care. We don't pay ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because the so well, that's amazing that you like you make the magazine look so much bigger in that case because you've got. I mean, there's the magazine obviously, but then it's all smoking mirrors. <laughs> 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 but so the, like, you also have the podcast, which is like really popular, and you've got the events, and you've got the um, like sponsored things. Mm, yeah. 
Well, I I did do a an indie magazine event in Singapore, and right. like Serial was there, and uh, Rap Rap, which is up there. Um, Apartmental was there, and what I realized talking to all these people was that everyone does consulting for money. Like, there's magazines are fine, you know, they kind of like do their thing, but the way they really make money is selling ads and doing consulting jobs. So yeah, we have done consulting jobs, and uh, our event does make money. You know, working on the magazine making its own money. <laughs> <laughs> but so tell us, tell us about the the event and the the podcast, because that's obviously. Well, from the outside, it looks like that's becoming a bigger and bigger part of, of Cherry Bomb. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people in this day and age want to go to things that they can experience. So having the event uh, was just kind of a fluke, actually. Um, Time Magazine printed their cover, The Gods of Food, and they had this whole, you know, like the 50 most influential chefs. And there was like, there were no women on it. So, and you know, Renee Rizepi and David Chang have their mad symposium, so we were like, okay, I guess we should do a, a like, you know, a jubilee. <laughs> so that's kind of how that came about, and it turned out to be hugely popular, and hopefully next year we'll do it in uh, San Francisco as well. And you had Martha Stewart speaking? Yes, a... that was, yeah, it was, was kind of amazing. And you killed it with the interview. There, I was listening to the podcast oh, like, yeah. while riding to work. She's just so funny, you know, without meaning to almost. <laughs> you know? Inadvertently, she just says these like amazing things, like you know, oh, I was just riding my horse through the woods today. You know, it's just like <laughs> I steam my eggs in my six thousand dollar espresso maker. You know, yeah. it's just kind of hilarious. Yeah, the, the, bit, the bit that got me, she said that she has like a, an assistant who I think like works from her house and she gets there before her assistant is like at work and she's still like poor woman she's literally as soon as you wake up in the morning oh god i've got to get to work and math is going to be up in a minute (laughs) 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 the do you how many of you um like know and looked at fire and knives when it was out so a food magazine called fire and knives there was like sort of like sort of 20 2010 in the UK and it came out as a mag that like it was a real response to like the mainstream food magazines like the the guy Tim Hayward was like really angry that food publishing was just reduced to like recipes Mm -hmm. and like lifestyle shoots where they'd sell you like a new set of pans or something Mm -hmm. and what strikes me about your magazines is that you're like you don't you don't seem angry like the like you, you like you have recipes you said like it's actually i feel like you're not kicking against the mainstream but you seem like kind of how do you feel about the mainstream like it seems like you quite enjoy the the max i feel like we're so sorry um i feel like we're so separate from it yeah. and there's a place for all of that i mean there are definitely a lot of people that buy those magazines <coughs> and want those magazines that are going to tell them how to make like you know a recipe from like Ritz crackers or some shit but we're not that at all and I think there's like a place for all of these magazines as well Mm -hmm. and I think all of us like they're much more personal magazines and I think people are responding to that too like the the magazines with more of a voice Uh, and I guess like you're so you're doing something that is really not what they do like Walter with uh, with Lucky Peach 
you, I mean, particularly the stuff that you write in, because you write for the Mac as well, and like the, you do like the, the butter taste tests, or the, <laughs> like the instant ramen taste tests, like, I, I read that and was just like, how, how do you make yourself do that? That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good, uh, it's good to eat butter, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, in this issue I, I do have a but, bunch of butter reviews. 25 Yeah, I don't know. I think early on the magazine definitely uh, had a, a kind of a sort of a response to the mains, to more mainstream magazines, and with a lot of esoteric and sort of difficult to sort <coughs> ingredients and stuff like that. But I think in recent years it's probably softened or something like that a bit. And uh, now I, I do think it uh, is just trying to bring, you know, good food into people's lives, uh, but hopefully in like, a, well, I actually don't care, but uh, in a different way than, um, than yeah, like mainstream magazines might. Uh, but yeah, the writing, I think uh, they're just uh, open, the editors are just open to, you know, the ideas that um, people bring to them. So you brought the Oh, I shouldn't say that. Uh, I had been talking to them about uh, <laughs> doing something for a while or like writing something for the magazine. Uh, uh, and then, I don't, yeah, I think just find, we always have a, like an email chain where we try to figure out what I'll write about. Uh, and I think uh, Butter just uh, was something that wasn't being covered in, in the fine dining issue at that point. <laughs> they were like, I guess we can, and it's always like, how can we punish Walter in some way? Um, so yeah, the butter just came up. Naturally, the next one is the chicken issue, and I'm getting to eat uh, 25 different varieties of chicken nuggets. So pretty good, pretty good. Okay, all right. Um, I'm gonna ask the questions from the audience in a few minutes, so like, have a think about, particularly what you want to know about Walter's taste tests, I think we should um, let's get into this a bit more. Yeah, sorry, sorry. But be, be, before um, before that, um, I'm also really interested to know where your readers are, because the I mean, so all, all of the all three of your magazines, as someone who is like sitting in London, like they are to me like they're some of the best food magazines being made anywhere, and that's why it's so interesting that you're all here in this city. But then I get here to this city, and you're all just like, yeah, we're just making a magazine. <laughs> The, like, is, are your readers mainly here or in the US or where, where do you find them? How do you find them? Um, I think ours are kind of scattered. We definitely have like a lot of New York readers, I think. I feel like we do well on the coasts in the States um, uh, and probably like main cities. And then we have a good readership in Australia, kind of growing in Asia and in London. It has been really supportive as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm just I'm just lucky to live in one of the bits flooding with magazines. We're thankful for all of the customers. And yeah, London's been really supportive. Yeah. Claudia. I would say exactly the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> English-speaking countries. Obviously, New York is a big uh, market for us, as is the co the other coast. Mm -hmm. um, and Australia, yeah, surprisingly, mm -hmm. a lot of food down there and London. Yeah. And do, so when, when you're going about that, do you like pick specific shops in specific cities that you know you want to be in or, or are you more kind of, we're just going to go for like 
Sydney? Well, we have a distributor who kind of takes care of that because I don't think either of us have ever been to Australia, so we wouldn't know. But um, yeah, we do also self-distribute to certain stores. So um, if they ask us, if they don't work with our distributor, we'll we'll find a way to get uh, magazines to them. And, and water, I guess it's a, it's probably a, a different scale for you because you're you'd have to be carrying these max to the post office. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's probably the same that it's all the, the readership is mainly in large metropolitan areas. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it does, uh, you, it does pop up and uh, like people will like message me and they're in weird places and they've gotten, they've read the butter thing and they sort of liked it. But yeah, that's my main, that's my main like interaction with readers is like on checking the hashtags for like Hashtag Lucky Beats and people are like, just got my issue delivered today. Uh, but yeah, I would say probably, uh, sorry I'm acting like this, everybody. But uh, yeah, it's all like big cities and. Um... <laughs> all right, do we have any questions for the panel? Okay. Hi. Um, oh, I'll Especially would like to post this to you as all of you, your magazines have now, um, you now also do events or pop up shops or there's podcasts, etc., etc., cookbooks. Um, and I would like to ask whether you see that as an extension or a spin off of your print magazine, or you see the print magazine as situated in a larger brand. Yeah, great question. <laughs> um, I mean, I think. All of our magazines are at pretty similar lifespans at this point, and I think there is a little bit of that brand recognition out there now in terms of uh, the name being recognizable. And so, but I also just think in sort of how the world is working right now, you kind of do have to be a brand. You have to have, you have to be multi-format, you have to be present on social media. And so there are all these extent, you can't, I mean, you can if you want, just have a print magazine, but I think for our long-term survival, we have to participate in all these other elements. Um, but at the same time, it's really enjoyable to have these other extensions of the print magazine. We've enjoyed having like pop-up shops and dinners that sort of extend from what we're doing. So I think, like Claudia was saying, I think people like that sort of physical experience as well of the print edition. Claudia, you, you were nodding hard through most of that. But did, so you, you feel like so Cherry Bomb is the magazine, is the thing at the heart of it, and then like the events sit alongside that. Yeah, I think the magazine sets the tone for the brand. Um, but like I said, in order to survive, we have to do all these other things too. But um, yeah, the magazine is the core, you know, it's the originator. If we stopped doing the magazine just at events, it would be something else. Um, or if we just did consulting, that'd be something else. But, you know, having a print magazine and having it out there kind of lets people know what your aesthetic is, you know, the kind of things you're interested in. Um, so it, it is the core and the heart. So what other hands that might the core? Hi, so my question is, I feel like Food as a subject has become especially trendy in the past three-ish or less years. Um, how would you say that your publication continues to stick out with everything that's so trendy? I know 
being a print indie print magazine is kind of like its specific category itself, but I don't know, like have you seen a shift in how your magazine reads with like readers or just the public? Um, and I guess the question, how do you continue to stick out? I don't want to say competition, but basically competition. Thank you. Um, I feel like I, for us, it's it's been interesting because we do like the food book fair every year, which I know there's food book fair people here. Um, but seeing like how many more magazines, you're right, there are like so many more, especially the past few years. What I've noticed going there is like they've, the focus has become like almost more myopic for some of them. Like there's a whole amazing magazine just about like coffee and um, just these tiny like little micro subjects that I think people are really interested in. Um, for us, I feel like we just stick to our guns. Um, creatively and with the voice and I think people were some people aren't going to like us and then other people are really going to dig us um, but we kind of just and I feel like that's what some mainstream magazines don't do because they're constantly like how do we get the most readers what do we do blah. Um, and we don't do that we're just like this is what we want to do this is our voice this is our vision we're sticking to it and if people like it they do and if they don't they're not going to buy us so and I guess that's part of the beauty of you, yeah. like you're, I mean, you're making this mag right. because you want to and you love it. And if you ever stop loving it, you stop making it. Right. So That's there. Nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> Walter, do you, do you do you see the like the that any sense of that accent change and and how do you keep Lucky Peach different? Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily like um, trying to change with like the culture or anything, and more so that it is probably like the staff of the magazine trying to surprise himself and present the magazine in ways that they haven't before. And I mean, that can take all sorts of different shapes, like how recipe packages are put together and like the photographs and stuff. But yeah, I would say it's mostly like finding ways to surprise ourselves or ourselves and like figure out new things more than like, hey, what what are people into nowadays? What, what kind of package, like what do a kale package? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say it's probably a personal thing. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, you have to keep it interesting for yourself. If you're not doing something that you like um, and you're not making money from it, then what's the point, right? Um, and, you know, everyone, every magazine I think out there that I've seen in the last three years, it has their own point of view. And, um, you know, we were just, I was talking to someone recently about how we're not like the new kids on the block anymore. And maybe this time I'm like, like revamp the whole thing, but we'll see. It's, it is kind of like, you know, eventually at some point, it's like, do are you going to get tired of this? You know, even we're maybe starting to get tired of it. <laughs> so, uh, you had it here first. <laughs> <laughs> All new magazine coming from Cherry Bombs here. <laughs> where, where were those other hands? Uh, coming from the art and edit departments at other magazines, so this doesn't maybe apply to you, Walter. I'm sorry. Um, was it hard to tackle the ad sales portion of publishing your own magazine because it's such a separate, separate entity in other magazines, at least in like corporate publishing? And how did you do that? Well, I guess you guys, you don't yeah. have advertising. Oh, we do. Oh, you do? Yeah, no, I sell those. <laughs> it's hard. It's a learning yeah. process. It's, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing, but I just, you just kind of pretend like you do. It's like my millennial spirit, where I'm just like, I'm gonna say I know how to do it, even though I have no idea how to do it. Um, and we just, I think for us, we just really zeroed in on a few brands. We just accept a few ads that didn't feel icky in the mix. Um, 
and like our readers were going to turn to him and be like, oh, actually, that's pretty cool. Like, I like the coffee from this brand or something. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, it's hard. The advertising part is hard, but we just feel like, okay, we just need a few to survive. So if we can just get a few ads, and that usually happens. It usually comes through. But I know, is there anything you want to add? We'll take more advertising. We'll take more advertising. <laughs> <laughs> is there any advertisers in the room tonight? <laughs> Talk to us after. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think any magazine survives on newsstand sales, actually. Um, it's all through advertising. And we have been pretty lucky that people have come to us, you know, but a brand is much more likely to give us X amount of dollars for our conference than to take an ad out in our magazine, which is, um, you know, kind of the norm now. Um, but we do give them an ad page if they want it <laughs> in the magazine. Um, so we also do take ads, although we haven't had that many. Um, yeah, it's just a matter of finding someone that like that supports you. Was it it's American Express was the big sponsor? So yeah, the last conference it was Annex that was a big supporter. We did do a project with them um, for Small Business Saturday. So they've been a big supporter and um, I sponsored the conference twice. So, um, so yeah. Thank you, <laughs> <laughs> But I guess that, like, that's the way to do it in terms of like building a relationship with the people at that brand so that you understand what they need, they understand what you do, and then it can actually work rather than being a terrible thing that we should never do. Yeah, and I think in the age of social media, brands don't want you to be inauthentic, you know? They, they want you to do something that's within you know, the guidelines of your brand and what you've set up. Um, but I do think the money has kind of shifted out of print to other to other things. So it is pretty hard to get an ad out of someone these days. Mm. Anyone else? Yeah, um, I just wanted to ask if you guys see yourself as educating people about food, and um, why do you think it's important to veer away from those simple list type articles that just list up restaurants and different kinds of dishes? Dishes and um, would you say that you're um, growing a smarter readership in your publication? There are definitely a lot of words in Cherry Bomb. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, we we kind of introduce people to different women and their projects. So I, I think it's educational. I hope it's educational. Um, we don't really do like stuff like restaurant reviews and stuff like that. Um, so hopefully we are educating people about people, but not really about food. I would say we kind of stay away from um, butter tasting and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, then you can talk butter. Okay. Uh, so anyways, guys, the thing about butter that's good. <laughs> uh, no, I, I do think it's part of the magazine to uh, inform people in some way. Uh, there's a lot of stuff besides butter reviews. Uh, I shouldn't have even started talking about it. Uh, but, so <laughs> um, yeah, I barely remember. I don't think, I think it, they, they're, I wouldn't say that they're, you're trying to make um, a smarter readership, but I think one thing that I like about the magazine maybe is that it just um, doesn't talk down to the readership really. Uh, I think it's just trying to present the information and um, yeah, and I think 
the yeah, like hopefully like the art and design side does that too. Like it um, has interesting things that you can look at and kind of treats the reader with like a respect and just acknowledges that. I think the main sense I always get with Lucky Peach is I, I, I read the mag and it looks like you're having a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And I think that like when you can convey that sense of fun, or maybe, I don't know, maybe like sort of synthetically produce it, maybe you're really miserable in the office, <laughs> but you somehow like kind of put this thing on the page, but like that, I think that's what I respond to as a, as a reader. Yeah, I think, um, I think that's true. And uh, maybe and a lot of the time when I was like commissioning illustrations or um, photographs you do just want the people to like have a good time with it and just make sure that people that, that I mean that's one of I think my goals is like a designery type person is that like maybe the magazine doesn't look so good sometimes but like we all had a good experience making it and like uh, we can look back on the time and it was it was like a fun enjoyable experience for everybody uh, so sorry if the magazine looks bad sometimes. But <laughs> 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 distribution um, except in Australia where we found one place to do it so it was a lot of me reaching out to friends in other cities and being like what stores should we be in and in New York I was thinking like what stores do I want to be in here like I definitely want to be in McNally because I love that store like the thinking about like where we would fit in and I feel like at the smaller stores um, where people really go because they love uh, you know the way this person has curated the store and the stuff that they get like they trust what's in there and that was important to me to be in stores like that because I think people buy from those small stores and they get you get really you get your readers that way so I think that really helped us in the beginning being in these smaller places like the McNally's of the world where people really go in there and they trust like okay I'm gonna get something amazing here because these guys know what's up um, so I feel like that's kind of how it was a slow build for us from there did, did you have like sort of uh the, uh, like a boost of like PR or press or anything at the beginning, like the, just to get the word of the mag out. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, it, it comes in small. Yeah, it was. It definitely wasn't us. Like, <laughs> we don't have a publicist. <laughs> um, yeah, but it just you know, kind of happened. New stuff. Yeah, so. people like new, and it's like we're getting old yeah. now. We're like old news. Yeah, the, problem is like yeah. when you're like a launch issue that's worth writing about they, yeah. because that's a new yeah. thing but then the difficulty comes like you've got to keep it going and keep putting it out there right. yeah. and how about probably not quite the same for you also but um, with Claudia uh, I think Carrie and I have worked a lot in the magazine industry and I also did a magazine previous to Cherry Bomb so uh, I think we kind of had people that were going to be interested in something that we did together um, and then we, we did a Kickstarter for the first issue, which also helped bring us an audience, and uh, the New York Times wrote about us. So we were pretty lucky that way. But I mean, if you're, if you're you know, someone who doesn't have those kind of 
contacts or interests in what you're doing, um, it's not that hard to get stuff in stores. Like usually stores will give you a chance because they're trying to make money too. If you're a new product, um, they'll usually take you on and see how it does. So you know you can build an audience that way as well. And, and so at the other end of the spectrum, like with Lucky Peach, you have like sometimes you'll be featured on like national TV or something like that. Dude. Like, what's it like for you working on a map like that, which has this very sort of independent spirit at the heart of it, but actually also has massive awareness? Yeah, I think it was probably boosted in the beginning. Uh, they were, pub I mean, it's a small sort of system, but they were public public screening, so there was already uh, a distribution infrastructure in place there. Uh, and then you have the like name recognition of David Chang who was associated with it. So I think that gave it like a bit of a boost in the beginning. Uh, and there uh, might have been like some sort of hunger for a magazine like this at that time. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I never really, it's, I never really noticed like, oh, it's crazy that this is happening. Because it always just um, seemed like, I don't know, it just was not, never, I never really noticed how, like, uh, that it got treated differently or something. Um, but, yeah, I do think, like, just having David Chang, who's, like, a full-blown kind of celebrity guy, uh, back the magazine, just raises the awareness, like, sort of immediately and opens up avenues like that for places who just want a celebrity to come in and chat with them in the morning or something. Yeah. Uh, and then he can just hold up magazine so I mean that that's, that was that, that's a blast uh, but yeah uh, yeah I, I think we'll probably take one or two more questions so is anything I am so impressed um, that you keep such small staffs and manage like entire magazines and like small partnerships and I really admire that I'm curious what your biggest challenges have been due to that I don't know if that's too broad, but no question. But like with social media, like you guys have been around for a long time, and like social media has become like incredibly pervasive over that period in different ways. Yeah, I don't know. There's so many things. Yeah, I mean, I think again, like we were saying, we just work all the time. Um, <laughs> and but really, I mean, the magazine is an absolute joy to do. But again, the business side of it is just the hardest part of it. So, I mean, that's just kind of what runs us a bit ragged. And USPS. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> and the US Postal Service. Yeah. Do we have a mail meter here? A what? A mail meter? Pitney Bowes? We don't. Yeah, oh, but we, we, we do pick and ship. Yeah. Through the Red Hook Post Office. Oh. That's, the <laughs> the, um, the that's a challenge, but yeah. I don't know. There's a little step up. Yeah, I mean, I think also the you know we've worked on you know we've worked for the major publishing houses in New York also, so we've worked on you know, very big national mainstream magazines. We've worked on independent downtown magazines, and then doing our own. But at the same time, you sort of find that when you are a super small staff, you can be super efficient. Also, sometimes often those huge staffs are very inefficient just yeah. because of the the hierarchy that you have to go through. But sometimes you're just like okay. I need an answer, you ask your partner and you get an answer and you're done, move on, forward. So it's yeah. like, in some ways it's very efficient, but you also have to be a masochist. <laughs> well, the masochism coming out tonight, I had no idea. Being the real. New York spirit, I guess. <laughs> the New York masochist. 
Is that a sports team? Claudia, do you have any comments to say to it? I agree. It's the business side. It's like how to how to make money, um, how to grow your circulation. You know. Um, yeah, and our magazine is particularly heavy. <laughs> so you know, when we get the shipments in, it's it's you know pretty massive. We have to hire movers, and uh, yeah. Is is the magazine like kind of because I know a lot of publishers will like deliberately take their magazine to within like 10 grams of like the next step up in the shipping costs or whatever. Do you, do you do that? Uh, we haven't done that. Maybe we should look into that. <laughs> um, <laughs> that would be good. But, um, I, you know, the magazine itself is, uh, it's, you can have a huge presence and, and just be one person. I mean, we've got like bloggers today or, you know, social media stars, you know. I think that because of social media and the internet, um, yeah, you, you can make yourself look huge and put out a product that, that maybe not everyone's buying, but <laughs> <laughs> looks good. Um, okay, so, oh, okay, um, one, one question from the back. So, Arden, you said more about business than money, but uh, given the fact that you're saying it's obviously not a super lucrative business, straight back into printing. So it's, you know, that's paper. about it. <laughs> a lot of paper. Um, and we just keep the money there. It just circles. I, and I mean, that's, that, that is very common, right? Mm -hmm. the, the, a lot of publishers will tell you the same thing. And, the, and, and actually, if you do get some extra money, then you could put a foil on the cover, or you could add another 60 pages, or you could... Actually, every store works on consignment, 
which means that they only pay for the copies they sell. And the way they ship back the unsolds is they rip the covers off and just ship back the covers as proof because shipping the entire magazine would be too expensive. It's like somebody's died. Pretty much. Sometimes you'll see bundles of magazines with no covers outside magazine stores, and those are the unsolds. Yeah. Um, and the, and the, there is a. So the, um, I think that like these magazines started in response to something else. So, uh, like in the mainstream, um, paper uh, paper has got thinner because that's cheaper to use and send around the place. Budgets have been cut from editorial departments and design departments, and the, and these magazines, I think, are a response to that. So it's people saying magazines shouldn't be like this. We can do it better. We can put a better way of doing it. And actually, now we're starting to see another wave of magazines, which are printing on thinner paper, still really, really great quality, but smaller, thinner. Because there's a wave of magazine makers who are saying, "Hang on, magazines don't have to be this. We don't have to make a big, heavy, thick thing that costs us loads of money. Maybe we could make this into a business." And that, but that's like literally just emerging now. Yeah, I mean, also for us too, the way we set up the format of the magazine and things like that, I really, really, really hope that people do not throw our magazine away. And it's very, like, it's a super conscious decision to go very high end with the paper and make it a super tactile experience and almost like a book. And so we want people to take this and put it on their shelves and come back to it and cook again from it. Um, so I don't want it to be printed on toilet paper and thrown out in three weeks, which you know, is fine for you know, a mainstream magazine that's coming out every month. I, I sort of understand that cycle of life. But, um, so that was also our response to the magazine industry as well, of like making this beautifully printed piece. That, and I think people respond to that also. They're willing to pay the extra money for a beautiful object as well. So hopefully it's something that they keep and keep using. Yeah, is the hope. We we had one more question here, to, which says this last one. Um, I just have a question about your contributors. Um, having some of you have fashion backgrounds, and how do you choose these people to write what you kind of want to convey in your several um, themes for your issues? Um. Our contributors, most of the people that write for us aren't food people necessarily, just because, yeah, I come from working at like more fashion y magazines. Um, so, but I think that that's actually okay because we are using food just as a vehicle to tell a story. And so most people are using it to like recall something, whether it's like a place or, you know, something from their childhood or a moment. Um, and everyone can write about food in that way. So it doesn't have to be this technical thing. So I just really look for, you know, good writers and writers that have a story to tell, um, and that's kind of it. And they come from all different backgrounds. Yeah. Uh, I think Lucky Pete's the writers. Um, a part, a part, a definitely part of the DNA of the magazine that it's like connected to the chef community. So there are a lot of like chef contributed pieces in there, and then um, a lot of it uh, is coming from a sort of literary place from starting at Mixed Manies and kind of carrying that through the magazine. And then, yeah, a lot of it 
uh, just like you know, people who like the magazine and then we put our themes out there and then people can just sort of pitch stuff and they you know, figure it out from there. Yeah, we also have themes which helps weed out uh, a lot of content. Um, but yeah, Carrie and I know a lot of writers, so we kind of use those people in the beginning, um, and we do get pitched a lot of stories. Um, it, it is kind of difficult to get, it's hard because you're bombarded with all these pitches, and sometimes it's really hard to get back to people. Um, but my advice would just be to be persistent. <laughs> or kind of like stalk us, maybe. Well, you're, you're inviting a room for the people to stalk you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, I think that's a great place to end. Um, so um, we're going to finish. <laughs> finish with this. Um, that is not the end of the night, though. Uh, we have got a load of beer and wine just over here, so please come and drink it because I can't take it back to London with me. Um, we have got free magazines for you uh, in the corner here from the speakers. We've got free magazines in the bags over there for you from Park. Please go and have a look at the mags on the, the shelves. Go and chat with the guys at Park. If any of you are thinking of making a magazine, um, they are the people to speak to, so um, that would be a good idea. Um, and I think, Oh, thank you again to Casson uh, and Crichton, um, and thanks for coming. Cheers. Okay, that's it. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this one, you can find more episodes on SoundCloud or iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts. Just search for Stack Magazines and they should come up. Uh, we released one last week, which was a conversation with more uh, magazine makers in New York. Uh, so if you want to get a, a live one, then, then you'll find that. But also, we've got lots and lots of stuff up there with these uh, the shorter, more concentrated conversations with magazine makers. And of course, follow us while you're there and you'll get all of our episodes delivered direct to your phone in 2017. Thank you very much for listening and have a very happy new year and we'll be back very soon.